Welcome to Network, Women in Mining South Africa's podcast. We've just returned from Mining in Darba 2022, and the committee that was in attendance has come together in this podcast to share some of the experiences that we had, as well as share some of the interviews that we had with uh, people that we chatted to at the Indaba. Uh, ladies, would you like to say hi and share a little bit about your experience of being at Mining Indaba? Well, good morning. Yeah, um, this is Pietro. I'm the current chairperson for Women in Mining South Africa. Um, just a, a brief overview of my experience of the Indaba. I think uh, this year, it was my first Indaba, so I don't have anything to compare it against. But it was, for me, I think the resounding message that I got from this uh, Indaba, if you just look at all of the mining companies that were represented and some of the government officials that were there, it was all around, uh, the theme for this year was ESG. And I think the resounding theme for me was that, you know, mining is the way in which we create a green future. Um, so that I saw very strongly from a lot of the mining companies that were represented. So that I think that was quite good. And then, of course, Women in Mining South Africa was there for the first time as a booth, and that was, for me, one of the highlights to be able to represent WIMSA. Um, but we can speak a little bit more about that later in the podcast. Thanks, Pietro. Raksha, what were your experiences like? Without a doubt, this year, the highlight was the fact that Women in Mining were represented with an exhibition booth. And having been to previous Indabas, it almost felt more complete because we were finally represented and we were finally on the ground. So that for me was extremely exciting. It's almost as if we've come, you know, completely full circle. We're starting a new chapter within Darba as well. Um, so definitely a highlight to share that platform and to interact with other women in mining. It was very, very exciting. Maria, what was it like for you? So, yes, it was also my first time at Indaba. Um, for me, it was nice to see the trends that you can actually look at where companies are focusing and then also getting to meet some of the more, um, for a lack of better words, obscure things that are happening in terms of the mining industry that you don't normally get on the mainstream. So you always hear about the larger mining companies getting to do this with the ESG to come down to zero carbon. But then you bump into people where they actually are on the ground, for instance, in the DRC, working closely with those nine-year-old artisanal miners trying to get the best out for them. And, and they don't necessarily get the best platform always. And for me, it was such a highlight like to meet some of these people that, that actually go out and, and work on the ground instead of just sitting somewhere making the policy that's supposed to be implemented, but actually implementing that policy. And then secondly, as um, Pietro and Raksha has mentioned, it, it was great to be at the Wimsa booth. Uh, and what I also enjoyed a lot is that um, I've interacted with the IWIM members and the WIM UK members online, and it was so nice to have that personal interaction with, with the different chapters for, for women in mining around the world. And finally, Patty, what was your experience? It was also a first for you, I think. Yes, it was definitely a first for me as well, Brownie. And they say when women come together, great things happen. And we definitely saw that at the mining in Dava, we we were sharing a stand with WIM UK and WIMBIS and we could just see the power that is within the industry um, from all corners of the world. Um, when women come together, just there's just so much power. So it was really great to experience and to be in the midst of s such powerful women 
and and to learn um, from them. And the mining in Daba as a whole gives such an opportunity to to network with other industry players to see what the trends are, to see what we can do as as the miner on the ground as well. So it was eye opening. It was um, a great networking experience, and just to be with with fellow colleagues um, in person, people that you always interact with online. Um, it was a it was a real great experience. Yeah, I have to echo all of your sentiments, and I think the most um, valuable thing from my perspective was that we got to share a stand with our fellow Wimbers and Wim UK ladies, and and then we got to know them a little bit more in person. So we had a great opportunity to record a few podcasts with um, some of our fellow colleagues from WIM UK and International WIM and WIM Biz. I really enjoyed chatting to Stacey Hope, who's the chairperson and MD of WIM UK. So Stacey, tell us a little bit about WIM UK, what you're all about, what you do, what your mandate is. Absolutely. So we are a not-for-profit organization based in the UK. And we focus on advocacy around women's entry into the mining sector, but also how do we support them, how do we promote them, and how do we ensure that they remain in the sector. And we do this through a number of um, initiatives, especially looking at the pipeline. So we do a lot of work around um, internships, making sure girls and young women have a space in the industry from early on, from the onset. Then we also have a lot of sponsors who love to sponsor our scholarship programs, which is great. So we usually have uh, scholarships at the Cambridge School of Mines and at Imperial College. And those are master's degrees as well. So to really drive um, women's education within the mining sector. Yeah, I'm sure that's making a massive difference to oh. women in the industry. Absolutely. You know, we represent 8 to 17% of um, the global mining workforce. Uh, sorry, at a certain level, right? So there are so many women in mining, but they're not really captured. Mm. And then when we go further up the pipeline, it's only a very small percentage who are leaders, who are visible, who have a voice. And we need to change that because it's really about driving the gender parity, not only visibly, but in conversations and in policy and how we move forward in the future of mining. Petra, you had a lovely conversation as well with Barbara Dishinger. Yes, I did. Um, Barbara Dishinger is the chairperson for women, International Women in Mining. I'm Barbara Dishinger, uh, from the director from International Women in Mining. Yeah. Um, International um, Women in Mining is a leading not-for-profit uh, organization focused on uh, gender equality, promoting women's voices and access to opportunities and leadership for women in mining. Right, and how do you bring all of these different women in mining organizations together across the world? So we support or always have, uh, since we set up International Women in Mining, um, supported individually women in mining organizations throughout their growth um, period and connected them to each other. Women in mining organizations do or play a very important role uh, locally, nationally, regionally and continentally in places uh, to really um, try and 
you know, be a support for women in mining or for women working in the sector. But at the same time, they're really playing a very important role to sort of be change agents in the mining sector, either lobby governments or, or work on work programs and initiatives. So we support all of this very important diversity at IWIM, but there are over 100 women in mining organizations now in 55 countries and the number keeps growing every year. So for, for external stakeholders, this looks like a very fragmented kind of environment and picture. So what we are trying to do is to bring collectively women in mining organizations together much more and collaborate and be stronger together. And then what I really enjoyed is we've had an offshoot from WIMSA quite recently, and that's the development of WIMBIS. And then I had a really great conversation with Corsi from WIMBIS. Hi, uh, my name is Corsi Sibisi. I'm the acting CEO and the chairman for uh, Women in Mining Business. So what is WIMBIS? Tell us a little bit more about what you're about um, yes, and what yes. you're trying to achieve. Yeah. WIMBIS is an is a, is a organization that has been formed uh, to give platform to women entrepreneurs who are supplying product or service to, to the mining companies and those women who also who are looking for investment opportunities. So um, that's what we are actually uh, are doing. And um, WIMBIS, really most of the members who are with WIMBIS, including myself, we were WIMSAs members. But when you then become an entrepreneur, you know, you then find out that WIMSA doesn't represent us very much. Mm -hmm. it, 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 WIMSA is focusing on women in mind who are, you know, their ambitions are being a CEO, a mm -hmm. manager, or whatever. So, yeah, so the reason why we created it, it was to, sometimes when you are going to find, try to find opportunities in the mining value chain, as one person, it becomes difficult. But we then thought if we create a platform where women can have a one voice uh, and then we all access uh, the opportunities uh, in a coordinated manner. It's always a great opportunity to be a volunteer for Women in Mining because we get to attend so many interesting events. And in conversation with Eamon, she echoed that point as a volunteer for Women in Mining UK. What for you is the benefit of volunteering to Women in Mining UK? For me, it's been the network, the most incredible network of women. We have one of our initiatives is the WIM 100 Globally Inspirational Women in Mining publication. Getting to know some of those 400 women has been an absolute blessing. The network with our sponsors, we have an incredible group of foundation and industry sponsors, hosts that will be hosting us in person again. Uh, the network is so important when you're trying to look for that new job, look for a new speaker on a panel. Don't be shy, go out. And that's certainly for myself, professionally and personally, has been the greatest benefit. So the message is don't just be a member of a woman in mining group, be a volunteer. Be a volunteer. You're, the network is incredible. They, they will remember you. Um, and you learn a lot yourself. Yeah, what was really great about having a booth at the mining in Darbo was that we had a place to go to, all of our women. And our booth was really buzzing the whole time. There was a lot of women who came to visit us. There was a lot of men that came to visit us to ask what we were doing and what we were busy working on. 
And yeah, we have a number of sound bites from people who visited our booth um, and they're following now. Okay, so I'm Arjun the Brain or Arjun the Brown. Um, I'm the MD of OIM Consulting. If you had a daughter, what would you want her to know about working in the mining industry? Uh, <clears throat> it's, since I'm Dutch, it's, it's very easy. Um, I would want my daughter, if she's working in the mining industry, one is be direct. Uh, the, the mining industry doesn't like uh, this whole coming around the corner, come from behind the bush kind of discussion. You must be direct. You must and, and you must say what you want to say. Mm. Don't, don't. Um, I mean, don't be rude. Um, when I say be assertive, I, I don't mean it in a rude way. Basically, make, st stand your ground and make your point. Yeah. And I always say your your points must be grounded, obviously, in, in fact. If, if you're young, specifically, when you're older, people don't actually even challenge you. They say, "Well, I'm sure he knows what he's talking about." And, and we, we have a philosophy in OIM, it's called the, um, uh, what do we call it? It's called insight, influence and impact. So we say what you need to do is you need to gain insight, not knowledge. Knowledge you get from a book. Mm -hmm. You need insight. Insight means a lot of things. Insight means you need to understand knowledge, you need to understand information, you need to understand the people you're working with, you need to understand the environment that you're working in. Because the more insight you have into what you do, the more influence you'll have in people's lives. So don't try and use knowledge as a, as a, as a weapon, yeah. use insight. Yeah. We have a lot of people with knowledge but no insight. So we say insight influences people, when you influence people you impact. So in the mining industry, get the insight, influence the right people because we're not uh, autocratic leaders anymore, we don't tell you because I say I'm the boss. We now influence people to move in a certain direction and then that's where you have the impact. And that's basically what I tell my daughter. I like that. Insight, influence and impact. Hello, my name is Jenis Svenqvist and I'm coming from Kombevärpart in Sweden. I'm CFO in the company. Welcome. Hi everybody, my name is Candice Naidu. I'm from a company called Paramount Tracks and we're based in Johannesburg, South Africa. Thank you. It's wonderful to have you both here. Thank you. So we were talking earlier about our lived experiences as women in the mining industry and it really occurred to me that we have very different experiences in Sweden um, versus South Africa and I was wondering Jennifer if you could maybe tell us first what your experience is of being a woman in the mining industry. In Sweden we look more to professional if uh, the skills, we are not looking so much if we are a female or a male person. We look more into what we think it's important that we have a difference between uh, that we have both female and male and also age and ethnic background is uh, a value. So it's, it's really focused on being a professional in the in, in the industry yes. as opposed yes. to gender yes. at all. Yes. But for me, I have never feel any difficulties due to that I'm female. Okay. They take me as I am and as my professional and look more into my skills, what I can, what I can do. That must be quite a wonderful experience to not have to worry about your gender at all. Is it something that you're aware of? No, not so much. And no, but, uh, for me, it's natural. That is uh, the things like it is, but it's so it makes so clear when you come here and see it's the difference. Then it's open up your mind that no, everyone doesn't have like we have in Sweden. Yeah, absolutely. We are far away from compared to you. 
Yeah, and Candice, your experience is obviously very different. So tell us a little bit about your experience. It's extremely different. Um, in South Africa, in my experience, when I became an executive, um, I remember my CEO was questioned by our management and mainly the male management as to why did you make this appointment? And they, they couldn't understand it. And, and in South Africa, we have the gender divide and the race um, divide and and both these both of these things came up with him but he stood up and he defended me and he still maintained his decision um, it, it's just very different to change the mindset of people because it's a very cultural perspective as well on women and where they should be in the positions that they should be in in South Africa and and Lately, uh, we've been seeing a lot of women that come up in the executive roles in the, in the country, but it's still that that gender div- divide and that pay divide and that gap between us to the both sexes, but totally different from Sweden. And I think South Africa does have a long way to go in mm. that respect. And um, yeah, it, it should be. It's going to take us some time to change the way people think around this. So what do you think we need to do intentionally to shift that gap between where we are and where Jenny's talking about being? I think we should create more awareness. Big organizations, I mean, and small private sector organizations should be able to create more awareness about women's roles in the workplace and and in, uh, the inclusion and diversity, uh, push that forward and, and just keep it on repeat. You know, eventually people will change their mindsets and, and conform to including us into everything and, 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 and being a part of the discussions, the major discussions that happens. So my name is Helga van Lochem. The company I work for is Tomra. And I am a sales engineer and I happen to be a mechanical engineer. So the quick word that comes to mind is don't be too self conscious you know ladies are so we we judge ourselves way too much you know we're so aware of ourselves what does somebody else think of us i want to say toughen up a little bit doesn't really care Mm. don't don't care so much like just go for it i mean people are doing their own things anyway they're not actually not that interested in you in the first place we think we're so important but we're not that you know what just go ahead don't be self-conscious don't be like self-critical because we're very Mm self-critical unless we do it perfectly we don't try so just just try anyway. I mean, yeah. what's what, what's going to happen? I mean, you're not going to die. So just go for it. And if somebody giggles or laughs, so what? You know, we come back again another day tomorrow. So it's yeah. Don't be that self-conscious. My name is Morali Adisiabella, and I'm a mining engineer based at Session. Um, as a section manager, I work for Anglo-American Kumbayono, the Northern Cape. I'm extremely excited about the mind of the future and you know working for anglo-american we talk about the future smart mind and in my mind that looks like a mind where pregnant women will still operate machines remotely i see that happening very very soon and i'm actually getting chills on my back as i speak about this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because we have automated autonomous drilling um, so where you don't need to go into a high risk environment to continue drilling and I do not see why gender will continue becoming an impediment for us to make it in the industry with so much technology I mean we saw Spot today and I've seen him go underground as well um, for inspections and I do not understand why a woman cannot do that from a remote control room and we move away from having jobs that are limited to to males only. So the man of the future for me really is where there's no limit. There's no gender 
a limit. Anyone can be in any role because that's what the technology is doing for us. And I think we need to embrace it and really position ourselves for that kind of conversation so we don't get left behind again. And I think, you know, the just transition and the technology is a big enabler in that. We need to start making sure when we do job profiling, we do not continue to limit women based on pregnancy. And um, I think the opportunity we have here is when we are talking automation and digital session, women need to be part of those kind of conversations so that we can, um, you know, contribute to the decisions that get taken on what the future careers will look like so that they don't continue to, to um, discriminate or exclude women. So I think one thing that will never go out of fashion and we cannot really digitize or get a technology to replace is learning. People need to learn. Um, and I'll, I'll steal from one of our executives' um, quote when he said, steady is um, fast. So you need to, to, to go at a steady pace, understand the business, understand the industry, understand its history. And, I, you know, every day when I meet a woman in the mine, I'm interested in how they got in because there's so much you can always learn from the way things used to be. And I recently actually had a conversation with one of our colleagues who started, who were the first few women to, to get into the session. She started working in 2001. And it's so interesting how far we've come. So when you immerse yourself in those kind of lessons you get to understand where we are and where we actually can get to and it just positions you because you are clear in your head where we come from and you don't get trapped in where we are thinking this is it and it's the best it will ever get because you know we've come from far and we can still go a long way so it's really around learning it never gets out of, gets out of fashion you are never too old or too young to start learning. And I think it's, it's really something that's worked for me. I learn every day and I'm always open and curious to what a person is going to teach me, a situation, anything at all. And I think that works. Um, if I can also add, so I was there as well, you know, uh, Amos itself had a booth and there were so many people who came through to my booth and noticed my, my WIMSA badge. And then there was a lot of curiosity about WIMSA. So it was so nice as well to be able to direct people, men and women, to the WIMSA booth just based on their curiosity about, you know, what is this little badge that we're wearing? Attending a, an event of such scale in person post-COVID was it was super exciting, but it was also slightly overwhelming because all of a sudden there was all of this um, consistent movement, that consistent noise and that, that um, excitement that you can feel. But uh, once you get over the shock of, of really experiencing all of that sensory input. Yeah, I'd, I was at Mining in Darbor in 2020, just before COVID hit. And I have to say there was a palpable difference for me in terms of the atmosphere. I think in 2020, it was business as usual and people were quite formal. And um, and this year, it felt like great friends were getting to reunite. It was, and friends that we'd made over the course of the last two years online. I can't, I can't even describe how wonderful it was to meet people that I've never seen in person 
um, and walking down kind of a passage between the stands and having people run up to me and kind of give me huge hugs and, and then have to kind of push them away and go, um, who are you? Because I'd only ever met them online. And, and so there was a real palpable excitement about being in person. But I think one of the things that really struck me was how COVID affected some people really at a very personal and deep level. And I had a moment to chat with Bettina Simmons, who had a very scary experience with COVID. And she shared a few of those experiences with me and some of the things that she's learned about herself and about life as a result. Um, I've also found that in the past two years, when we were doing a lot of business and networking um, online, there was such an overload of communications in terms of electronic communications um, going around. And I think one could really feel the sigh of relief when people could actually come together and, and be in the same room and, and you know, to, to meet those people that you've been doing business with that maybe you would not normally have done business with. Um, so looking at at that COVID also created a space for us to to network differently, but then tying it all back in together when we got together at Mining in Dava. Yeah, um, I fully agree with what Maria is saying. I mean, um, COVID has forced us to find different ways of networking and different ways of meeting people. And having to put that together with a Mining in Dava where you have over the past two years created relationships with people online and you finally get to meet them that that was quite exciting and it also made it quite difficult to comply to all the COVID regulations because the excitement was just overwhelming but it was really good to to finally be able to to see people to finally be able to put people's faces to their names and be able to be in one picture with people without it being a screenshot one of the highlights for me was getting to meet Spot, who came over to our stand. And for those of you who don't know who Spot is, he's, or she actually, is a robotic dog. Yeah, Spot was quite an interesting um, robotic dog to meet. I mean, the capabilities that technology has given to the mining industry is immense. Um, I was completely blown away by the fact that we no longer have to put our employees at risk um, we can simply send a robotic dog to go and do some of our inspections and somehow declare areas safe before we can send people in there, of which is what we currently need um, after having an incident where you're not sure whether the area is safe or not. We need a technology that we can send ahead of us so that we don't put other, um, other people's lives in danger before. Um, knowing whether the area is safe or not. So for me, that was quite interesting. And it was nice to finally meet Spot and also interact with everyone behind Spot just to see, their th to hear their thinking and how they got to the solution. Yeah, I think the other thing that I want to add to that is I had a conversation with Mokhuliadi Siabela and we were talking about how Spot could make a difference from a gender perspective as well. Um, being able to enable women to continue doing their jobs while they're pregnant and being able to do it remotely, not having to go underground uh, or, and not being taken out of their jobs because they're pregnant, because their work can be replaced by a robot or technology. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
a lot of times immediately when you get pregnant not a lot of times actually all the time immediately when you fall pregnant you obviously have to be removed from the risk um, based area and spot would would be an incredible tool to enable women to continue doing their daily jobs because they would still be removed from the, the high-risk environment but still be able to do their jobs yeah so I think it kind of leads into the topic of the mind of the future um, and the mining industry of the future and and it's kind of a vision for that. There was certainly a lot of conversation around what that might look like. And I think with COVID, we've really started to imagine and not just imagine, but embrace technology um, and bring it into our daily lives. So, Petra, what are your thoughts about the mind of the future? I think what was very prominent for me in um, this in Daba was how South Africa is blessed with a lot of the metals and minerals that um, could help us to trans- transform into a greener future. So if you think about one of the, the big highlights or one of the showcases for the for the Indaba was the hydrogen track that's just been developed at Mughalakwena Mine, which is part of Anglo-American. And I mean, that just shows you what's possible when people come together and, and use our metals to, to start building a hydrogen economy. You know, so I think um, what the future look like, looks like is much greener. Um, and we have in South Africa, we've got the, the, the metals to be able to go into a greener future. Then there was, of course, you know, a huge amount of focus on what they called the just transition, which was how do we um, sort of phase out coal um, which we also have a lot of, um, but not do it to the detriment of people who are currently working in that industry. So there was a lot of um, talk around that. And I think we have to think about that, you know, because we can't just switch that off and switch something else on. We have to think about how do we transition from from something we already have in the country to something that's new and which we can also develop. So I think the man of the future is going to be um, much greener, um, and we have we have to do that. I mean, from our stakeholder perspective, in any case. So yeah, for me, that was sort of the the highlight is how do we make that transition? And there was a lot of hashtag hashtag just transition talks happening, and I attended some of those as well. Yeah, it, it's an overwhelming kind of combination of technology, people, and environments, and I think that came through very very strongly. Um, and the power of being able to combine and overlap those three things. I think also what was really nice was that WUMSA hosted a breakfast panel discussion. And as part of that panel discussion, we spoke about one of the most important topics in mining, which is safety. And I think that, you know, again, the fact that the focus is around safety and ESG topics is great because, you know, um, this all contributes and ties into a, a greener world and a safer world, ultimately. So it's wonderful to see that people are finally, you know, giving these very important topics the attention that it truly deserves. And it was wonderful to have that panel discussion and hear the different perspectives in terms of how safety ties into things as well. Um, and that was also another really well-received event that we had and um, people were so excited to be part of it. So, so yeah, very big highlight. And, and what came out so clearly from my perspective was how we were talking about safety as a everybody issue and as a community issue and as a stakeholder issue and and looking at it from the perspective of not just how safety affects the lives of people on the mine um, and and the bottom line of the mine but how it affects affects households at a very kind of personal and individual level and and the need to bring care and 
strong leadership and personal care into the equation. That's something that you've talked a lot about, Pietro, um, both on the panel and in your research. Yes, I mean, um, I spoke a little bit earlier around technology, you know, and how important technology is. But for technology to work, I think we have to have the right type of leadership to be pushing and driving the right agendas. And what I was speaking about on the panel discussion was the type of leadership that we need to be able to make this just transition firstly and also you know, be able to eliminate fatalities and, and work towards an injury-free mining in- industry. It's a specific type of leader we're looking for, somebody who believes we can get there, somebody who believes that we're not there yet and we've still got a lot of work to do, and somebody who truly cares about people. You know, so it's a combination. The mind of the future is a combination of using technology where it's appropriate, but then also developing the right people to be able to push that sort of agenda forward. I think the mind of the future is very much technology driven, but we cannot leave our people behind. Um, we need to find a way to, to bring our people along on the journey. And there's there's a number of companies that is getting it right already. Um, I think COVID has really accelerated the technology space in our industry and has forced us to to start um, implementing these structures that we've been talking about for a number of years and bring our people along on the journey. And as Petra has said, it needs our leaders to understand that we are not there yet, that we still have a lot of work to do to, to, to enable us to get there and also really care about our people. And that is bringing your people along with you on the journey. Yeah, people at the, at, are at the heart of, and they are the heart of mining, effectively. I'm probably going to say something slightly controversial. What I've noticed is on the main stage, the leaders would say one thing, and then when you go to the functions or off the main stage or just slightly off the main track, you still have a lot of people that will not consider the true impact of ESG. They still see it as perhaps something that's hampering um, the growth. Um, I know people were saying on main stages that the World Bank and lending institutions will start looking at how you handle your ESG. But then when you're under another function, there are lenders that say, well, we know what you're going to do with your ESG. Show me what your mineral resource looks like. So I think there's still a, a large, a huge chasm between what needs to be done and what is being done. And, and I think, yes, we do need leaders to drive that change, but us in different mining operations in different areas, consulting or actual mining or production or even in, in, in um, supply chain. We are the ones that need to drive that change. We are the ones that need to say we, we want to see this change. We want to see cleaner technology. We want to see technology being implemented. We don't want to see how you show off what is possible and then stop implementing it and just saying, oh, but we showed you that wonderful thing that we can do, but we don't really do it. I think um, there, there's still a very large disconnect about uh, between creating policies and actually implementing policies. Um, and it, it's getting to a point where the mining industry needs to walk the talk, it needs to put that what they're saying in their policies. They actually have to um, 
apply it. They actually have to say, yes, now we can employ more pregnant females. When we, we have women that are pregnant, we can say, okay, you can run spot from the surface. It's not a problem. Instead of saying, oh, you know, uh, maybe it's better suited to a man, you know, technology, because that's what's going to come out of, of this. And I hope that, that we as women in mining and our allies drive that change because we can't do it alone. We, we need different voices and we need to have that drive to really be that change well i mean you're absolutely right and what i'm hearing you say is we need to be the voice of the system we can't be subjects of the system we need to be the voice for the system and if we want the system to change we need to speak up and 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 say what the system needs um and it, it's for me it's interesting that you raise that because I, I observed a fairly similar thing in terms of the theme of the mine of the future will be partnered with its stakeholders and the mine communities. And, and, and while that sounds really good, and, and I hope that is one day the mine of the future, we as an industry need to capacitate and have braver conversations and, and truly empower um, and truly assist our our mind communities in being able to engage in conversations that that share the responsibility for what the mine and the mining industry of the future looks like. I think the other thing that I noticed was that we talk about big mines all the time and the conversations that we're not having enough of are the junior mines, the artisanal and small scale mines, and the fact that they are also the mine of the future. Um, that the major deposits are becoming fewer and fewer and that the mine of the future may be dominated by much smaller scale mining. And, and what does that look like from an ESG perspective and a compliance perspective and a risk perspective and a value perspective? I think that actually ties in really nicely as well with our plans for the future or for next year even, because I think that we have an opportunity as WIMSA and as women in mining to actually put forward some of these suggestions and start having these kind of conversations on the main stage or on the side stages or wherever it might be. And I think that's definitely one of the things that I'm going to recommend or we should recommend um, to Indaba next year, because why can't WIMSA be hosting a panel discussion like this? Um, and I think the opportunity is definitely there. Um, and while we're at it, I think we have to give a massive shout out to the team of at Hive. Um, the Hive group and particularly Nathan Hirsch and Tom Quinn have been phenomenal through this journey in the last couple of months to actually allow us to, to have a stand and to sponsor this booth for us and give us this opportunity. So huge, huge thank you to Tom and Nathan. And next year is definitely going to be one of those bigger and better years with I mean, as you can hear, we've got a thousand ideas and we're going to execute in all of them. So come find us. Yeah, hopefully we're going to be at booth 1509 again. Um, we're at, without that booth, I don't think we could have made the impact that we made. I certainly think that collectively we've raised a huge amount of awareness for women in mining and had conversations that I think take us beyond talking about women in mining and into the realm of talking about professionals in mining, um, where we all have a contribution to make and where everybody recognizes that. I also just like to add, um, I think we had some great conversations with um, some of our male um, colleagues as well. And just the amount of support that we're getting from from our male colleagues um, with 
supporting women in mining uh, and um, their different roles in the industry. I think the industry has really um, come a long way. And even though there's still some work for us to do, but as WIMSA, I think we're making an impact and we are showing um, the world that not only are we are we rooting for women in mining, but we're rooting for for professionals in mining. Um, where it will not matter whether you're a woman or or, or you're you're a male, but um, we're celebrating professionals in mining, and we got a lot of support from from our male counterparts as well, of which we really appreciated. We got a lot of males coming to our stand to find out what we do, what it is that we're doing, how they can support how they can get the, the females in their in their organizations to be part of our our movement or our our organization and which which was great um the the booth really gave us that opportunity to be visible as as women in mining and not just to our women in mining but to the men as well yeah you're absolutely right Patty. we had an immense amount of support so i just want to thank everybody for being part of this conversation um and to remind you that we have several standalone podcasts that came out of the mining in Daba. Please listen to the full series. There's some really interesting thoughts that came out of those conversations. Thanks, everyone. It was really lovely to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, Brownie. Bye. Thanks, team. Bye. Thank you, team, and have a good day. Bye. Thank you all. It was a great discussion. Bye. Bye.